0: It was kind of easy. Mick Cronin thought it was in the bag. I didn't think so in the final few minutes, but let's talk about UCLA taking down Utah on Locked On UCLA. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. everybody, it's your favorite host. It's Zach Anderson, the here on the Locked On UCLA podcast. Thanks for making it your first listen each and every day. It's free where we get your podcasts and it's available on YouTube. So like, comment, and subscribe. Thanks for your support. As this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more by visiting fanduel.com lockedon locked on. The must, you know, it was a must win for UCLA if they want to continue their bid for a one seed especially a one seed in the Pac-12 tournament and try and clinch the Pac-12 regular season title before playing Arizona. Either way UCLA got the dub and Mick Cronin's post game comments he was saying along the likes of if you have Tiger Campbell and Jaime Hawkins Jr. you're maybe not going to stress out as much even if Utah cut it to within a possession in the final few minutes of that game. So maybe I was wor- worried a bit more than one McCronin. but in UCLA's seventy-eight to seventy-one win over Utah, while we'll dive into the numbers and what I thought I saw for the first time all season in this two thousand twenty-two to twenty-three campaign, UCLA got their first win when a, an opponent scored seventy or more points. A large portion of UCLA's losses this year have come when the opposition have scored 70 or more. Three of UCLA's four losses in this 24-4 and campaign now have come when the opposition have scored 70 or more. Illinois won 79-70 out in Vegas. Baylor put up 80 on the Bruins. Oof, that was mind-blowing, 80-75. to And then you go to the Arizona game, which, you know, wasn't exactly the highest scoring game. Arizona only won 58-52. But then five days later, it was SC who won 77 77- to 64 in the second half for the ages for the Trojans when they put up 52 in the second half. Utah didn't exactly put up one of those types of second halves, but they did score 40 points, and the Utes shot much better in the second half. 55%, 55% from three were able to score almost a lot better, not at will, but much better getting open shots, and despite being shorthanded, the Utes gave UCLA a game. So something to note, is UCLA technically won a high-scoring game in the 70s or higher. Not one of those 80-80, but 70-70 to 70 types of games, and UCLA got the win. Again, remember, Utah was out there starting point guard. Raleigh Wooster is one of the best passers, best facilitators in the Pac-12, and does average about eight points per game. You have Gabe Madsen, who's been out for a while for the Utes. they starting two. Brandon Carlson did return for the Utah Utes, considering he did not play against UCLA in the first matchup. And for the most part, UCLA kept him in check. He didn't shoot efficiently, did not hit the majority of his threes, did get a couple of shots, did block a couple of shots with 14 points and four assists. But it was Mike Saunders Jr. who Mick Cronin attributed to after saying, yeah, I didn't expect 25 points to come from Mike Saunders with him shooting 20, getting 25 points and only 17 shots and shooting 50% from three. 24 minutes off the bench and you get somebody scoring 25 and he's your leading scorer, that almost individually, single-handedly brought Utah back in this game where the Bruins could have put this game away early. They're up 12 at the half, 62% from the floor. Hawkins put on another second-half performance to try and clinch a Pac-12 Player of the Year award as he not only tries to compete for the Conference Player of the Year award, but dare I say it, compete more and more for maybe – the National Player of the Year Award. I know there's various names from the Wooden Award to the Naismith Award. There's so many different places you can go. But for Haquez Triple J, 23 points, 8 rebounds, and also 3 assists, 0 turnovers into the steal as he continues the intensity. And when the Bruins were looking lost late, and Utah went from almost going to bed and, and one bad call and a tip pass out of bounds got that limited crowd fired up, Utah had a couple of shots, made a late run to get it within a possession. Jaquez just took the ball in his hands, as he normally does, but this time, one-on-one, hits a three, put the game to bed, put it up to ten, goes cuts the layup, makes an easy bucket at the rim where nobody can stop him, which is what makes UCLA so dangerous. Because if Jaquez is shooting that efficiently, and he takes over games late like he has been lately, I believe his fourth straight game with 20 more, the last six games, I believe Ben Bolch tweeted out, He's been shooting nearly 50% from the floor, close to 20 points per game, if not a little bit above. And if between Hawkins and Tiger Campbell, they're combining to get you 41 points on 50% or better shooting, if the two between Hawkins and Tiger Campbell are shooting five of six from three, five of six, if those two guys are hitting their three-point shots, I'm not sure many teams will have an opportunity to beat UCLA. And yes, Utah was able to score with the second half flurry, despite being significantly shorthanded. But the Bruins, if they're scoring 80, I would like their chances on most nights, considering their usual defensive intensity. And despite Brendan Carlson's, you know, appearance in this game, the the scoring in the paint was rather even. I talked in the preview to this game about how UCLA. I would like to see Tiger Campbell ball out considering the matchup on the other end was not going to be as tough defensively for Tiger, if not as tough for him offensively as well. Tiger, he showed up, 18 points, 50% shooting, 5 assists, took care of the basketball, and the Bruins were efficient with 17 team assists on 32 made shots, so almost half their shots were from assists, and then a lot of Hawkins' shots are always 1v1, and only 17 assists to 6 turnovers. A splendid assist-to-turnover ratio as a team led by one Campbell, 5-1. to You have Jalen Clark, who wasn't the double-digit scorer he needed to be, or has been, I should say, not needed to be, but nine points but five assists and a couple of steals as the Bruins continue to pick up the intensity defensively. But again, this is a game that UCLA should have put to bed a lot earlier. And while I can be impressed that they won a high-scoring game, it's against a shorthanded Utes team, and we've seen this story before. UCLA has come down and had games practically won. 15, 14-point leads, bigger leads. UCLA had, you know, multiple chance chances to put this game to rest. And instead, what we'll probably see in March, starting with next week's Arizona State-Arizona games, heading into the tournament in Vegas, the Pac-12 tournament, and then heading into the NCAA tournament, when you had these games in the tournament. You have to get them done and over, get you guys. Rest one with the back the two games in 3 days, and you can't let teams back in it because once the momentum swings, like we've seen against USC, like we've seen in the Illinois game, most importantly those first those first and fourth losses for UCLA. The Bruins had big halftime leads and they let the momentum carry on into a win for the opposition in games the Bruins should not have lost. And now they're They're key to the Bruins' identity, what they felt before in key games. Heck, even Kentucky, we talked about that win. Kentucky got this game, that game back in December, to a tie game, and the Bruins had to win it late and win it by 10 with a late slam dunk, I believe, by Jalen Clark to put the Bruins up by 10. So the Bruins have shown the inability to close games when being ahead. They've shown the ability to come from behind, surge with a big run late in games when they're – I believe the broadcast said with five minutes left in a game, UCLA leading, they don't lose. But they do make it scary, and it only takes one bad moment, like we saw in March of last year against North Carolina. The Bruins had the lead late, but then you watch the hottest team in the tournament go all the way to the NCAA final and become 20 minutes away from them becoming a tournament champion. So that's something UCLA has to work on. Another thing, Bona struggled with foul trouble, 6.7 rebounds, only played 17 minutes. But we did see the return of Kenneth Nuba. Didn't put up much in the stat department, but it's nice to see Nuba get out there and play 13 minutes as Etienne played six minutes, got a bucket, a rebound, and two fouls. And can't forget to shout out Dylan Andrews in this game against Utah because Andrews put up 10 points in 10 minutes, and that's not something you're used to getting from Dylan Andrews off the bench. Ten points. It's one thing to get four to six. Maybe seven is stretching it, But Andrews, 4 of 7, getting 10 points. And in a higher scoring game, you're going to need a variety of scores for the Bruins. And against Utah, with Saunders coming to play and Carlson getting 14 points, well, the Bruins are able to keep Stefanovic in check. Ben Carlson didn't do much. And Brandon Carlson struggled to shoot the basketball. So despite what was a close game at the end, UCLA got the win, which is most importantly the biggest thing on the road. Which sets up a Colorado matchup, which we'll talk about after I tell you about FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook, well, they're our new sports betting partner here with Locked On. It's, you know, the midway point, more past the midway point of the NBA season. We're getting close to playoff runs, whether it's the, the Lakers, whether you love the Clippers, where do you love any team? in the NBA or whatever it is across college basketball, you need to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because you get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. All you have to do, download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on everything from money line, point scores, three-pointers made. Go to FanDuel.com and get your no-sweat first bet. Fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. No sweat first bet up to a thousand dollars back in bonus bets. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Cruising on here with Locked On UCLA, Zach Anderson Yax. I'm with you guys. Second segment will be a little bit shorter. We're talking about UCLA hoops going to Colorado. They've got now seven straight victories. They're now 8 and 2 in true road games as UCLA has a chance with this win against Colorado in Boulder to clinch at least a share of the Pac-12 championship which would mean that for the first time in what almost a decade that the Bruins would have some sort of the Pac-12 regular season championship and despite year in and year out UCLA being amongst the favorites to win the Pac-12 title in recent years they will actually have completed part 1 step 1 of what looks to be a ladder all the way up to a potential national championship run. But it starts with continuing the mountain road trip, an afternoon affair after a 9 p.m. local tip in Salt Lake City. 9 p.m. local tip, 8 p.m. in Pacific time, 9 p.m. mountain. They go to Colorado, be 2 p.m. over there on a Sunday as they prepare themselves to take on Colorado. On February 26th, they get that extra day in between. You saw Gail Goodrich, even Chris Smith. I heard even Johnny Juzang from McCronin said he might stop by and say what's up to the Bruins. So former Bruins, legends and all, coming by to support UCLA as they prepare to go to Boulder and take on the Colorado Buffaloes, who gave UCLA a game the first time these two teams played. Back in the middle of January, despite a 14-point UCLA win, it was Colorado, who led by three at the half. And while it wasn't exactly a big game by Tristan Da Silva or KJ Simpson, they both had double figures. Those were the two leading scores and will be the two most leading factors for the Buffs coming into this game. And hey, Locked On Buffs is the newest show added to the Locked On Podcast Network if you want to listen to more about Kevin from Kevin Borba. But for the Buffaloes, they came in, they played a defensive Intensity, grinded out mentality against the Bruins in that first game. That took a late surge in the middle of the second half in front of a, a raucous crowd on what was then a rainy Saturday afternoon in SoCal. This time it'll be another rainy, blustery weekend all across all across uh, California, and we'll be sitting after like an early tip, dealing with the rain. Hopefully with the UCLA win over Colorado. Remember, it was the Bruins forcing 23 turnovers scoring 25 points off of Colorado's turnovers and able to feast in the paint. UCLA won this game by 14 against the Buffaloes. Reason because all those turnovers turned into fast break points. How many fast break points? 10. And in addition to that, it was 30 to 16 in favor of UCLA and points in the paint. Plus 14 for the Bruins at points in the paint. And you look at the number, how much did they win by? 14. That was one of the big key differences in in this game, but for Colorado, they've come on hard times. Despite key wins over Tennessee, Texas A&M, both ranked SEC teams, they've lost to very odd teams this year. And despite being led by Tristan De Silva, KJ Simpson, averaging both almost 16 points per game, De Silva, who can hit nearly 40% of his threes, has not done so. Did not do so against UCLA and the Buffaloes. Almost no showed against USC in their most recent game on Thursday, where they got blown out by the Trojans, 84-65. to 65. Speak about a different game. UCLA and USC almost had similar halftime scores. USC had a 62% field goal percentage against Colorado, similar to UCLA's 60-plus percentage against Utah. And despite, you could argue, Utah being significantly more shorthanded than Colorado, it was the Bruins who had a much tougher time in the second half. One, because USC did not miss against Colorado. They kept taking it on and Colorado could not score. In that game, overall, Colorado's defense against SC, 57% from the floor, 42% from three, and they allowed the Trojans to dominate points in the paint with 40 to Colorado's 30. So this key for the game again for UCLA. If Colorado is going to continue to be as turnover prone as they were, then UCLA can maybe win this one. Although against the Trojans, Colorado only had six turnovers. They just got bullied in the paint and could not guard the three to save their lives for the most part against USC. So if the Bruins get some open looks, they have to hit them. If they don't early, they might be in for a defensive slugfest late. If the Bruins are hitting their shots early like they did against Utah, then very well this game could be turned off the game in the first half, although UCLA hasn't proven they can do that. Again, it'll rest on the shoulders of Simpson and De Silva. I'm not entirely sure if those two guys don't show up and play. It won't be like Utah where they'll have the Saunders come up and have a big game offensively to step up. They'll need the Buffs to have DeSilva to shoot 40%, 50% from three on seven attempts and get hot. Simpson to go bully his way and get some points and get some rebounds. And who, who needs to step up? I would like to see Jalen Clark come back and get a 13-point game With efficient shooting and three steals. What did Clark do against these teams the first time? Well, Clark against Colorado had three steals, 18 points, and eight rebounds against Colorado. I'd love a similar stat line against Colorado and get him back flowing into the momentum of the final week of the regular season as the Bruins build their case for at least the two seed in the West and maybe potentially for the one seed in the West as Joe Lenardi. Has now flip flopped Arizona and UCLA in terms of all right, who's the one, who's the two seed out west, and who has to go over to the East Coast or the Midwest and play away from home in the either the first round or the second round slash East, the, excuse me, the Sweet Sixteen and the Elite Eight. So I do expect the Bruins to win this game, but as Mick Cronin's alluded to before, especially in the post game. We don't want to give away games. And the Bruins almost gave away that Utah game, as we've seen them do a couple of times, multiple times so far this season. And Colorado has a couple of guys that could win this game. It's just tough to ask them to do it on a night, night in out, night in and out basis where they just relied upon Simpson playing 36 minutes against USC, but couldn't shoot the basketball. So these guys will be weary, tired, but there is an extra day in between the Utah game and the Colorado game for the Bruins. We'll see what that means when it comes into, all right, this team is ready and this team is not. And I think the Bruins will win this one, setting up the stage for one, a Pac-12 title, two, showdowns against the Arizona schools, which can be very vital, extremely vital, to UCLA's tournament-seeding hopes. As we rumble on with Locked On UCLA into our third and final segment, got ahead to the Diamonds because, hey, there's been multiple, multiple reasons why we should talk about UCLA's spring sports. First, we have to talk about softball because Megan Faraimo kicked the Gators batting lineup in the rear and slammed the door and said goodbye. They said, no, no, we're not getting no, no chomp, chomp, chomps. She ate them up, carving up the strike zone with nine strikeouts in a run rule victory over the number three team in the country. If you've missed this and you don't realize that the Mary Nutter is going on, it's one of the premier softball non-conference tournaments in the country. It's pretty much it. Other than the other tournament, I forget what it's called, down in Fullerton. It's the Mary Nutter in Cathedral City and then the tournament in Fullerton. And then those are the two premier, outside of Clearwater, one of three premier tournaments. So the Bruins are almost seemingly in all of them. And this is the week, weather permitting, UCLA will play at least three to four ranked teams. And if they do, they will have already taken down Florida, the number three team in the country, 10-0 in five innings, and run ruled them and just simply smacked them. Two runs in the first for the Bruins, two runs in the fourth. Two, two runs in the first, two runs in the second, and six runs in the fourth, scoring off of each and every of the Gators' pitchers. They threw out three, and the Bruins scored multiple runs off of all three arms. Faraimo, who's already leading the nation with eight wins, 8 no, has the nation's leading strikeout total with 78, had nine Ks in one walk. She has seven career no-hitters. First one against a ranked team for Faraimo in her career, first ranked no-hitter for the Bruins since 2003. So it's been two decades since the Bruins have been un- have been able to no-hit a ranked team. And while the jury's still out as to who's the overrated or underrated softball teams or teams across the country in every sport over the first couple of weekends, Florida very well could be overrated and overhyped or could have been just a terrible night one way or another. It is impressive when the reigning Pac-12 player pitcher of the year comes down and shuts down the lineup. As one Pac-12 player of the year candidate, national player of the year candidate, Maya Brady continues to thrive at the plate, two for three with three RBIs, as Savannah Polo, the de- designated player, went two for four, three runs, started the game off with a triple, and the Bruins did not look back. So between Friamo just dominating in the circle, yet Brady, who seemingly can't swing and miss whatsoever, and playing all over the field from center to short, The Bruins, that's an impressive victory to open up your weekend at the Mary Nutter, which ends, hopefully weather permitting, with a one versus two showdown against Oklahoma Sunday morning, which we we will react to at some point on Sunday, win or lose. So stay tuned for that because you take down the number three team, you're playing a top 20 Kentucky team, and while there is supposed to be a doubleheader with Iowa and Northwestern and Texas A&M looming you take down a number three team from the SEC. You take down potentially a number two team from Oklahoma, and UCLA through the first weekend would be the clear-cut number one team for by a wide margin, in my mind, if you continue to this great start, 13-0. But considering how close the games were last weekend in Clearwater, one could think the Gators were tired with cross-country travel, or two, Florida might be overrated in its own right. But either way, the Bruins softball team for IMO kicks their butt, run rules the number three team in the country, and dominates them with still, at the very minimum, five games, weather permitting, left in this one. So we'll, we'll see how UCLA gets to play the rest of these games. They're still supposed to play Kentucky, Northwestern, A&M, Oklahoma. We'll see how the schedule goes. Games might get canceled, and we'll see what happens. And now, flipping gears over to UCLA baseball, Bruins? They've kicked some butt in their first four games for John Savage's bunch. Taking a look at their first week and where the Bruins stack up in terms of the national leaderboards, the Bruins, number one in the country when it comes to strike-to-walk ratio, 14 and a half, nearly 14 and a half strikeouts to walk. They have the second least amount of walks per nine innings. They have the second most Ks per nine innings. Third best ERA considering they wiped the floor with Omaha dominated their midweek, and then they have top five in runs scored, getting on base, top 10 in getting on base, and just hits, runs, dominating. John John Vons, Bruin football player, turned into baseball player because it's springtime, has already hit quite a few home runs to lead the Bruins in the opening week of play. So where is UCLA headed? Despite only being in the top 15 with a fairly easy opening week, UCLA heads to Vanderbilt, Number five in the country for the Commodores, the, rain, the champs in 19, runners-up in 21, and they made it to a regional in 22. It's a battle of top 15 programs this year, and it'll be the first time UCLA ever goes to Nashville to take on Vanderbilt. The two teams' all-time series head-to-head record against each other is 2-2. Two two. So it is a unique, unique time for UCLA. Because Vandy comes in 3-2. and two. They went into the college baseball showdown, into that, you know, whatever baseball stadium that is in Houston. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Trash. Uh, jokes aside. Vandy played five games in six days. They didn't play an opening series. They played TCU, Oklahoma State, and Texas. One, two out of three. Lost, shockingly, in their home opener to Central Arkansas, only to beat UAB in run rule, mercy rule fashion to end the first week. So they've played a bunch of games in the first six days, and this is their first true series of the season. And then they'll eventually play LMU, ironically hosting two LA-area teams, and then they'll get into SEC play. But depending on how the rankings and the committees and all these teams think about Vandy's starts against individual opponents, they might drop in the rankings regardless. But a win by UCLA on the road, two wins at minimum, will certainly slot them into the top 10 by the time the weekend's over in my opinion you sweep them and you're talking near the edge of top 25 top 5 territory considering Tennessee was struggling week 1 Stanford was 3 outs away outside of a miracle comeback against Fullerton in the ninth inning of their series week their season series opener on a Sunday finale when they came back from 5 runs down in the ninth and won by 8 in the 10th inning So that's how close it could be in college baseball between the Bruins and the Stanford Cardinal. However, the first true opponent for UCLA, let's see how they face off. Again, the weekend rotation looks like this for John Savage's bunts. It's Jake Brooks against Carter Holton. You've got Alonzo Treadwell against Hunter Owen, Kelly Austin, and Devin Fertrell, who are your weekend rotation guys, UCLA versus Vanderbilt back and back and forth. And all three of those starters all got wins for UCLA between Brooks, Treadwell, and Austin. We'll see how Keros and John John Vaughns each carry up. We'd love to see Cody Schreier put on that sophomore pop, not sophomore slump, sophomore pop, and get the Bruins rocking and rolling in this weekend out in Nashville, Tennessee. Considering a lot of the teams in California switch their weekend series, and other teams are going across the country, right? So... Hopefully the Pac-12, and especially for UCLA in this second to last season in the conference, they get the dub, make themselves look good, and you go beat a top five SEC team, whether they're overrated or not, that just holds so much more weight, especially doing it on the road. You'll be put in the top 10 and beloved for no reason. So even if the Bruins are overrated at this point, you go beat Vanderbilt, you're almost guaranteed to be on the bubble regardless of how bad the season goes after here. That's just how important... This non-conference series is. The other team they play, UC Davis for the Bruins in the non-conference series. Davis is not that good. So for the Bruins to go beat Mandy, you will be considered elite, even if you deserve it or not. That's why this series is extremely important. You can go from maybe hosting a regional to earning yourselves by this early February series, hosting a regional and a super regional and potentially putting yourselves in line. For a run at Omaha. It's been 10 years since a national championship for UCLA's baseball team. Let's get another, as that's where we're going to wrap up Locked On UCLA. Again, more football news with the defensive coordinator switch. Not official yet on any announcement, other than every fan base site, reporting site, newspaper site. They've all mentioned it, but nothing has officially been posted as of this recording of the podcast. So we'll see when they. Bring in Danton Lynn officially for the UCLA Bruins football squad. We'll react to softball, baseball, hoops. Women's is wrapping up their regular season right now. So let's get it all excited. Zach Anderson, the Oxheimer, saying go check out Locked On College Basketball. Make that your second listen. Hands up, UCLA fans. Eight clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You see like. UCLA fight, fight, fights. This has been locked on UCLA. Go Bruins!